You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Richard Stamen. You probably know me better as Mavs Draft at Mavs Draft on Twitter. Thank you so much for listening to Locked On NBA Draft and making it your first listen of the day. In case you weren't aware, as you are listening, Locked On is free. Every Locked On show is free and available across every single platform that you can find podcasts on. We are everywhere. And again, thank you so much for listening. For this episode, I am doing a draft mailbag. So I got about 15 questions that I'm going to get to regarding the draft or NBA. Most of them, I think almost all, but like one or two were draft related. Um, So let's just dive right into that. But first, let me talk about um, actually someone who in Europe has started really warming up on my radar. It was someone who I knew the name last year for 2020 draft, but he withdrew. He was an international prospect. Um, He is now in Spain. Playing in the Spanish ACB, the toughest domestic league outside of the United States in the NBA. And his name is Khalifa Jop. He is a 19-year-old. Um, I don't really have a position. He's kind of power forward, kind of a center. 6'11", 231 pounds, super athletic, ridiculously light on his feet. And his first three games, he just played a game over the weekend on, uh, I believe it was Sunday, in Spain, where he went five of six, had 10 points, five rebounds, one assist, and he was just really good in the pick and roll. It's been his bread and butter in his first three games, and he has just been dominating over there. I think he's someone who is going to start rising as the draft boards start making their sh- getting into shape. I think he's going to be one of the guys that is one of the clear-cut risers. He's, like I said, 6'11", great size, ridiculously athletic. In the same league as Yannick Sosa, who also has that same label as, I mean, you know, he's like a seven-footer just about in ridiculously light, one of the fastest big men we've seen in recent years. And Khalifa Jop is just not far behind at all. And I think he's a little bit more polished on the offensive end, where Zosa is more polished defensively. He still is raw. He is a very raw player. Jop is as well. But Jop has a little bit more going for him right now, being that pick-and-roll roll man. He has more sense of a jump shot and... The finishing, he can finish with both hands a lot better than Zosa can. Zosa is almost strictly limited to his left hand, even though he is very good at that. But in three games, I mean, he's averaging eight points a game. The competition's okay. The best team, um, like he hasn't played any like juggernaut teams except Barcelona, where he went one of four. That was where, I mean, he missed three shots uh, in that game. He's missed four in the other two. So obviously the competition kind of stiffed him, but we'll see as he gets going during the year. I think he's a guy that's going to rise. I mean, the athleticism, pick and roll, two-way ability. And if he can shoot, I've posted a video. If you search Jop, D-I-O-P, Mavs Draft on Twitter, and then type in videos, you'll see there's a little fadeaway jumper he had, and it doesn't look that bad. So I think he's got that potential to be, you know, a little bit more well-rounded. He's raw. He'll need a few years before even coming over. And then on top of that, he probably, I mean, who knows, if he does come over within the next two years, he's still going to be very raw. So, I mean, you're talking about a 21-year-old that's pretty raw. He turned 21 in, in January, so he'll be perfectly 21 and a half by draft time. But just wanted to talk about him because European basketball has been going on. And early in the year, we don't see a lot of prospects. I mean, when Banyana didn't even play 
for France's, uh, the team he's on in France, Asvel, I think is how you say it. And, you know, early in the year, too many, too many guys are, you know, it's a pecking order. It's a veterans get first touch, uh, first it's seniority pretty much. And then on top of that, injuries will clear up time for these guys. But just before, like I said, just before I get in the mailbag, wanted to do that. Let's go into the very first question um, of the mailbag, of the mailbag, excuse me. And this one comes from my guy, Matt Moderno. He is a huge Wizards person. He's the host of Believe in Wizards podcast with former NBA player Larry Hughes. And he writes for Bullets Forever. If you don't follow him, he's amazing. At Matt Moderno, that's two D's, uh, M-A-T-T-M-O-D-D-E-R-N-O. Great follow. Um, he asks, what are Drew Timmy's NBA prospects? And it's funny because I was actually just listening to Raphael's Locked On NBA Draft show, the Monday show, and he was talking about how Chet Holmgren, who very well might be the number one player, number one pick in the NBA draft, and the number one ranked player in the NBA draft, may not even be the actual best basketball player or college basketball player on his team because Drew Timmy exists. And here's my stance with Drew Timmy. I think he's going to be player of the year. Raphael said the same thing yesterday uh, on his show, but I think that's almost a given. Gonzaga is going to be incredible. Their team is almost, if not better, almost as good, if not better than it was this last year that made the final four in the championship game. They lost to Baylor. They've gotten just ridiculously good. And here's the thing. Winning matters. If people will give you a chance if you were on a winning team and you're the best player on the winning team, even if your game doesn't fit. And I also think my other kind of unique stance on that is that you look at Luka Garza, what he does in the NBA, if he has early career success, I think Drew Timmy's stock rises. And so it's a weird thing because it has absolutely nothing to do with Drew Timmy. But at the same time, Luka Garza is a guy who people thought was just a collegiate post player. Um, obviously, there's more to Garza's game. He's a better passer, better shooter at this point. And Timmy is an absolute liability in the pick and roll. We saw that in the championship game. But I do think Drew Timmy would get a look at the very late second or be a high-level undrafted free agent that'll get multiple chances before going to Europe and being an MVP there because that's inevitable. Um, I do think he will have a couple years in the NBA one way or another if he if the expectations go the way you know that expectations are expected to and also if Luca Garza does well I think those are two key things for him and you know it's it's weird to say but I mean people look at similar players and look for success there so um, that's my stance on <clears throat> on Drew Timmy. Um, next one coming from my guy Corey Toluba at the Hardwood Mag. Also hosts a great draft show. Uh, he does the Draft Dac D R A F T D A Q with Albert. Um, they are just incredible over there. But he asked, given the recent history of bigs in the draft, what is the selling point for Sosa and Duran as legit top five prospects? So obviously, big men in in the drafts don't. Uh, they, they don't get the benefit of the doubt guards and wings do. Last year, uh, or this year, Evan Mobley went number one. He was a big, or excuse me, wow, number one big as the number three pick. Excuse me, horribly wrong take there for a moment. James Wiseman was the first big at number two in 2020. Depending on who you viewed as a big, the first big went, uh, depending on basically if you call Zion a big or not. In 2019, the first big was at eight. In 2018, it was DeAndre Aiden at number one. Uh, in 2017, depending on who you called a big, if Jonathan Isaac or Lowry Markkinen were considered bigs for you because they were very unique in that regard. The first big might have been Zach Collins, and if not him, it was Bam Adebayo, and those were the 10th and 14th picks. So 
And then one last one for 2016, it was Dragon Bender at four. These guys still do go high in the draft. It's just like, if you're not the very best big, you're not going to get much of a benefit of the doubt. So my whole stance is I think Duran is a guy who, if there was one old school big type that could go top five, it's probably him. I do worry about it. He has to scale up because, I mean, he's bigger than everybody in high school. Like, so it looks like he was more dominant than he was. Like, it's just how high school is. It's not a shot at him. It's literally anybody. I mean, no call. Like, every high school superstar averages 30 points a game. Like, or whatever elite stat you want to pull out. Like, a big man's going to average, like, 15 rebounds a game. It's not going to happen in college. So, Duran needs to definitely have that scale up, which I think his is more possible. My issue with Zosa, and I kind of hinted at this uh, with the rawness when I was talking just a moment ago about him. With Zosa, the issue for me is that he's still very raw. I think if he was a year older, he has the benefit of being a 17-year-old in a pro league. I think if he was an 18-year-old in a pro league, pro league, I think his status would be viewed a lot differently. And to me, that's just kind of, I don't know, I, I, think, I think his age makes him look better than he is. I think he's very raw and has a lot to work on. I don't see Zosa as being a top five prospect. I don't think even on his best days, he's a top five prospect personally. Just too many issues for me to overlook um, that I would have to overlook to get him into that top five. I think Duran has a much more, um, a better selling point, like he said. So the selling point for him, though, would be just elite interior scoring. We've seen Zion's elite interior scoring has translated, obviously, a little bit different. But, I mean, 27 points per game. You look at these guys who, if you're an elite interior scorer and you can do it in a variety of ways, more than just drop steps, more than just post hooks, more than just around the defense layups, if you can do everything consistently in a variety of ways and be unpredictable, if Duran can show a little bit of unpredictability getting to the rim in a good way, that's what's going to be a selling point for him to be a legit top five prospect. Currently, I have him around 10. I could easily see him scaling up and moving up on my board. So um, the next question comes from Steve Pellet here um, at Burke Worldwide. Um, what happens to Jaden Ivey's draft stock if he has the same year statistically as the past year? So that's a very good question and a very fair one. I personally don't think it will happen. Jaden Ivey, if you're unfamiliar, he is Royal Ivey's son, former NBA player, former Oklahoma City Thunder point guard. He is at Purdue. He showed out at the under-19 competition over the summer with Chet Holmgren, um, who else is there? I mean, every high school phenom, there was uh, Peyton Watson. I'm blanking on a lot of the Ross from Mike Miles, uh, Kennedy Chandler, you name it. Any of the top 20 prospects for 2021 seniors, they were probably there. And Jaden Ivey was one of the best players on the team. He, at Purdue, averaged 11 points per game, three rebounds a game, two assists per game, just under a steal in a block a game. And then that was on 40% shooting, 26% from three and 73% from the free throw line. So the difference though is I don't see him taking 10, just 10 shots a game this year. I think he's gonna see an uptick in volume simply because one, he got better too because he's a sophomore and guys in front of him, I, I don't know the roster situation off the top of my head, but I know that he's the roster isn't gonna be the exact same and the shot selection is gonna to have to, or shot distribution is going to have to change. I think if he repeats the same year, I mean, you're looking at a big bust of a junior, or senior, excuse me, sophomore year, and then he has to come out as a junior, which is very hard to do. I think having that breakout junior season, it's hard to have the impact jump that he could have this year, where he could be a lottery prospect this year. If he does what he's expected to do as a junior, it's he might get a first-round pick just because people have fallen in love with him already. 
but he needs to do it as a sophomore. So that's a very good question, Steve. Um, I don't see it happening, but again, good question. Next one comes from Sarasta, uh, I think. Do you think J.D. Davidson, excuse me, Davidson, is worthy of a lottery discussion? So I know I have a few Alabama listeners. Um, I'm very sorry for what I'm about to say, but honestly, no, I don't really buy his jump shot. I know he's got like Russell Westbrook athleticism and everything, but it comes down to the fact that um, I really don't trust his jump shot at his size. I think he's, uh, I'm looking up his size right now, but I think he's like 6'2", 6'3". Uh, yeah, 6'3". And I think you need a, a jump shot at that size with that athleticism. Obviously, you know, I said Russell Westbrook athleticism. He doesn't have a reliable jumper and he's still an MVP. But um, not everybody turns out to be Russell Westbrook. There's more Jalen Lequeux than Russell Westbrook. So personally, no, I don't have him uh, as a uh, lottery guy. And I think that's what he would have to do to get in that lottery discussion. So when I come back, we will get to more mailbag questions. But first, a quick word from our sponsors. Today, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all the entertainment you love without the hassle. DirecTV Stream brings you the live TV and on-demand favorites like never before, which means you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. And the best part? There's no annual contracts. So stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. With Shopify, you can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and much, much more. You can gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. And it's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility powered by Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA right now. Shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, continuing where we had left off with the mailbag Q&A. So the next question comes from Ty Jackson. This is about Caleb Love from North Carolina. He said, do you think Caleb Love can put himself back in the lottery? I don't know if he was ever really there. He was a pretty highly recruited freshman, number 13 in 2020 uh, in the overall recruiting class. Had a really disappointing freshman year at North Carolina, 10.5 points per game on 31.5% shooting. He shot 27% from three, 81% from the line. Kind of similar to B.J. Boston, just a much less ideal frame. Still made the ACC all-freshman team, but you wanted more. So I don't think he's ever, I don't think he can sneak back into the lottery unless he absolutely proves last year was a fluke and hits like 45% from the field, which is an unrealistic expectation. I think I think for him, get him onto the second round radar is a win. Uh, he's... He's good. He's talented, 6'4", 195, got a decent frame for a guard, but I don't know if he does enough to stand out as even a mid-first-round pick. So, honestly, no, I don't know. Um, I don't think Caleb Love can put himself into the lottery. Um, good question, though. Next one's actually an NBA question. It's a lone NBA question. This comes from Midrange Mitch. He said, should Moses Brown start over Dwight Powell? Uh, no, simply put, I... No, I've kind of gained a reputation of not liking Moses Brown that much, but he is just not better than Dwight Powell in terms of mistake-free ball. Can you trust him against other starters? 
I worry about Moses Brown still. I don't know if he can warm up to the 15-minute mark. Uh, that's really where he needs to be. I don't know what his defense consistency is going to be. I don't know really just a lot about... I mean, he, he struggled to set screens, even during Oklahoma City. You know, as an issue the other day in the fan, uh, the fan game, the open practice. But I'm not taking much into account from an open practice. But... I don't know. I just my whole thing with Moses Brown is I'm waiting to see. Let's I, I pencil him in as like the third center. So no, he should not start. Um, thank you for that question, though, Mitch. The draft dummies. Um, my fellow co-hosts over on Locked On NBA Draft, the Wednesday show. They asked for my thoughts on Dyson Daniels. I will admit, I haven't seen a whole lot of him. Uh, he is going to be playing for the NBA G League. I saw it one game, and I think it was in the under-19s, if I'm not mistaken. He's 6'6". Um, he has been playing in Australia. He's an Australian guard, played at the NBA Global Academy. He's really high upside at 6'6", and can probably be a pretty well-rounded offensive player. I don't know. This jump shot just isn't that great to me, and that really turns me off. And And until I can see that jump shot in a high pace offense and and all that, I don't know if I can get behind him being as hyped as he is. I've seen him as top 20 pick, and I don't know if I'm there yet. I, I really don't know what I, my honest opinion is on him. Like, I, I don't have a solid opinion on him, but I, I know enough where it's like the frame is nice and you're gambling on the upside, but I really need to see what he looks like in the G League. And the G League starts November 5th. It's going to be going for about a month in a 12-game cup, I think. I, I forget what the proper name is, but... So a little less than a month, actually like a month almost to the date, we'll be seeing Dyson Daniels in action. So that answer will change. As of now, I'm just not super high on him, but I like the tools that he presents. Uh, so last question on this portion of the show, and then I'm going to go to break and answer the rest. This comes from Taryn. He says, will Matthew Cleveland be the next great Florida State prospect under Leonard Hamilton? Um, and to that... I say absolutely because he is just fluid. He he is just an ideal guard wing that that you know Florida State has thrived with. He's high IQ. He gets to the rim. He does. He just does so much at a high level where Leonard Hamilton doesn't let those guys fail. And at the worst, he will minimize their role to maximize their game. Kind of like we've seen Patrick Williams, Devin Vassell. Both of those guys barely even crack twenty minutes a game. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if both did. The other guy that could be the candidate is Jalen Worley. He's also a combo guard from Florida State. He's 6'4". Haven't seen a whole lot of him, but he's ranked 42 on 247, so he's got a lot of upside as well. So when I come back, I will go ahead and uh, finish off this Q&A session. But first, let me tell you about Bet Online. It is the peak time right now of sports. Every single sport is going on. WNBA playoffs are happening. NBA preseason has just begun. MLB postseason is beginning today. NFL is happening. You know, it's it's right in the swing of that. Hockey is right around the corner. It's about to start up the regular season. Every sport is in action. And you know where you can get all your sporting action? Is Bet Online. It's the number one spot for pro and college football action this season. And with the new and updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your phone today to sign up to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code LOCKED ON to receive your bonus. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. And don't forget, they also even have Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game starts. 
Okay, finishing up this Q&A, welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. So the next question comes in from Tepig4321. They ask, where is the next frontier for NBA prospects around the world? I, there's no one specific place. I think the European, like the, the breeding ground they have going on right now in developing these prospects all the way from Israel to, I mean, Germany to Spain, you name it, there's prospects coming from everywhere in Europe at a higher rate than we've ever seen before. And I think that's still, it. like Australia is really rising. The NBL's growth has been huge. I think the, the next big thing would really just be more emergence from NBA Africa and potentially the NBA Global Academy. I think that's what you're going to start seeing. That's going to be a big breeding, breeding ground. Uh, Dyson Daniels was at the NBA uh, Global Academy, the player who I talked about last before going to break. I think that's probably the next uh, next area to look for is the NBA Global Academy. I, there's, it really doesn't have a microscope on it, but it really should. It's a, there's a lot of talent over there. Next question comes from Sean Murphy. He asks, easiest and hardest roles to project at the NBA level? So I think the easiest thing far and away is a guy who has a good basketball IQ, good size, and can shoot the ball. I think that is such an easily translatable role you look at Aaron Neesmith uh, obviously the worst example that I'm gonna use of the three but Cameron Johnson Desmond Bain all three of those guys are gonna have very good careers and they all have check every one of those boxes so I think that's the easiest role the hardest role I think is an under mm, I want to say an undersized combo like how do I work not an undersized combo guard because we can kind of most of those guys flame out but like a little bit undersized of a um combo wing i guess a two three someone like six five that has a ton of skills i think those are really hard to project and then honestly the ver the swing skills and the swing range i feel like of big men big men are very difficult to evaluate i think it's easy to find who can miss of big men i think it's very easy to find flaws but it's very hard to predict who the next like great big man is i, I think it's in this era especially like 10 years ago 12 15 even 20 years ago it's kind of easier. If they had post skill. That was a pretty big thing. If they could run the paint on both ends, that was pretty obvious. But now it's like, okay, they can do that. But what else can they do to keep them even playing over 20 minutes? And I think that makes big men just such a difficult evaluation. That's one of the hardest ones for me. I, I miss on a lot of big men because of that. I either overvalue some or just completely miss some others. So I think that's the hardest one. The next one comes from Torben. He asks... Who's more intriguing, Keegan Murray from Iowa with a reliable three-point shot spot up and off-ball movement, or Jabari Walker with tighter handles, and he's from Colorado, and therefore more on-ball slashing ability. So I'm going to go with Jabari Walker. I'm not huge on Keegan Murray. I'm actually in the minority of that. He had an emergence with Iowa, I think, having that um, extra set of eyes, having Joe Wieskamp and Luca Garza around him really helped him. He's 6'8", he's a forward, didn't really, I mean, he struggled to shoot, even though he had a good free throw percentage. He didn't take many free throws, only 53. So pretty small sample size, but he could really benefit from a jump shot. And obviously that would do wonders. I think he would be a second round prospect, but I don't know how realistic that is. Whereas Jabari Walker, he he's a pretty good combo forward, also 6'8", has a little bit more on-ball skill and shooting upside, I think, than, than Keegan Murray. Obviously, in very limited attempts, 44 attempts. Jabari Walker shot 52% from three, had a decent mid-range, 78% from the line, also minimal sample size, 45 attempts. 
But you could tell the shooting form is there. And if he added guard skills, I think he is clearly the superior player. 6'8 wing, modern wing, that does it for me. So that is a very easy pick for me. Like that, that, I'm just higher on Jabari Walker in general than Keegan Murray, so there might be some bias. But good question. Erson asked, do you think all three of the mega basket prospects will be selected in this upcoming draft? Those three being Nikola Jovic, Malcolm Kazlon, and Alexander uh, Balsarowski. And I, I know I didn't say that quite correct, but... I think it's just going to be Jovic, maybe uh, Balsarowski, because Kazalon, Rafael has talked about this in the past on, on his episodes. The window closed, probably, for Kazalon. Like, he's in his auto-eligibility year. He's about to be, I think, 22. He should have come out last year if he wanted a real chance to get drafted, but when you're international every year after, like, 19 or maybe even 20, your chances of getting drafted unless you're very, very good are just so low. He'll probably have to sign as an international free agent. Jovic, to me, is a top 10 prospect. I have no doubts about that. And Balsarowski is very dominant in the paint and has a good free throw form and is strong. And I, I think he could be in the late second. I'm 50-50 I'm on him, but I'm very confident in Jovic and Kazalon's stances. So I, I think Jovic will be drafted. Kazalon, probably not. And Balsarowski, I'll say 55 to 60. Uh, next one comes from Bryce Hendricks. He is a must-follow if you don't follow him. He's with Roll Call uh, SN, he's big with Washington State. Um, he is the co-host of Upside Swings. He's really good. Give him a follow. But he asked early thoughts on the 2022 high school recruiting class. That's upcoming seniors. This is actually the first high school class where I've seen them pretty, like for my standards, I've seen like 10 guys in, in depth which is very rare a year out for me. So I feel actually kind of experienced to talk about this. I like it. Shadon Sharp has been, I mean, I, I think it was, who was it? Jay Billis that said he was better than Zion at this point in his career. He's ridiculous. He's a 6'5 um, shooting guard. He, he's just absurd. It does everything. He's going to Kentucky. Derek Lively's really good. Just committed to Duke. 7'1 center, kind of the Evan Mobley build. Amari Bailey is really strong. He's actually the one I've seen the least of. And then I've seen a lot of Keontae George. Have, I've had a chance to see him in person against pros. It is just dominant. I thought for a while he had a case to be the number one player. He's a 6'4", 6'5", wing combo guard. Really ideal player. He has a pure stroke, gets to the basket, athletic, long arms, just checks all the boxes on that. I really also like Dior Johnson. I feel like he's been in high school. We've heard about his name forever. Really excited to see him at Oregon. Was a former Syracuse commit. Also, Sky Clark, heard about him for a while. He's a point guard going to Kentucky. And then the last one, MJ Rice, he's a guy he committed to Kansas two months ago. He is a really skilled wing, like a textbook modern wing. He does need to get more consistent. Uh, really good size, though, at 6'5", on the wing, can dribble, can get to the line, can shoot, can step back, hit shots off the dribble. I really like his game. So I'm a big fan of, uh, of the 2022 recruiting class which will be the 2023 class which is already strong with victor when bonyana so uh just a couple more questions to get through and then and then that'll be it so next one comes from ty dozer he asks do you see marcus bagley raising his stock this year it's hard not to he wasn't that good last year and he was still like the 45th ranked prospect for a lot of people if he can be a consistent shooter and show any more on ball skills that'll do it so I think he could be a fir late first, early second round pick if everything goes right, but uh, it's more of the same. He's not getting drafted. Next one comes from, um, excuse me, I lost it. Rob Fritz. He asks, which player will be this year's Davion Mitchell in that even though he's an older college player, teams will look past it 
and which player will be this year's Desmond Bain, and teams care too much about his age. So I'll say the... Man, these are tough because I don't see either of them, these two guys that I'm about to list. Honestly, I could even make the case one this one player checks both boxes, but he's about to be 23. I think he'll be 23 or 24 at draft time. So it's going to be very hard for teams to justify this guy. And I've seen this guy since he was at the Pro Basketball Combine with Desmond Bain in 2019. And that is Paul Scruggs from Xavier. He is a combo guard that is one of the highest IQ players in the country for Xavier can shoot the ball really well, ambidextrous, finishes and drives with both hands as good as he does with the opposite hand. Um, he is really good defensively, super long arms. I think he's like 6'2 or 6'3 with his 6'8 or 6'9 wingspan. I like him. I like him a lot. He can do it just about everything on the court. He's a brilliant uh, basketball player. I, I think he's that guy. The other guy I was thinking of, maybe especially for like Davion Mitchell comp, I think that Paul Scruggs is closer to the Desmond Bain probably caring too much about age. But the other one would be Iverson Molinar being a junior. Um, he's going to play like a lottery talent, top 20 talent, but he's a junior and juniors just don't get taken that high, unfortunately. So that's what I would say for that one. And for the last question, um, and you know, I just lost it. Uh, last one. This is from Will Wade's burner. He says, will Milwaukee Wilkinson get drafted this year if his offensive game develops like coach said it did? Maybe a better question is what would he have to do this year to get drafted? So I haven't. I, I remember watching Moani Wilkinson, especially watching Train Watford, Cameron Thomas at LSU. But he was a top hundred prospect at, out of high school last year. He's only a sophomore. His shots pretty clean. He can get it off. Um, really good at the rim. He all his shots were pretty much efficient shots. He didn't really take any bad shots, and he loved playing Arkansas. Those were his two best games of the year. Shot 83% from two this year, which is a funny stat. He only took 46 shots, but it's still pretty ridiculous for a 6'5 guy. If he can take the jump and just honestly play in 25, 20-minute rolls and not be, you know, shoot over 50% or shoot over even 45%, the guy's going get, to get drafted, excuse me. I, I think he's genuinely going to be one of the better, um, I guess, wings as a returner for this year. I, I don't really know what to expect for this class in terms of after like pick 30 and I think it's wide open and I think Milani Wilkinson uh, could be a guy maybe I'm just convincing myself during this question but I do think that his upside is really good it's a good question he's a deep sleeper if you're looking for one so thank you so much for listening to Locked on NBA Draft sorry this ran a little bit long but I really appreciate you tuning in if this is not your first time listening um, I appreciate you tuning in every week if this is your first time listening Thank you so much for giving me a chance. I hope I didn't I hope my audition went well for you and that you'll tune in next week where uh, I'll be recapping some of the preseason talk. And then in the future, I'm also going to go over right before the college season, some of the incoming freshmen and what to expect with some more uh, experienced high school viewers than myself. So thank you so much for listening to Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter is where you can find me. I recommend if you want to listen, if you need more NBA or NBA Draft content, Go ahead, find one of the team site. Uh, excuse me, podcasts for Locked On. We do every single team, all all the sports. I've been obsessed with Locked On Wizards lately. I think they have one of the crazier situations going on. I mean, Montrose Harrell just had a player held a players only meeting. Bradley Beal turned down his contract. Uh, you can hear Locked On Wizards Monday talked about that. But go ahead and give them a listen. That's my recommendation. Thank you so much for listening, and have a great rest of your day.